Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, a bit of both. I'm joined by return guest CH in a discussion about Loki Episode 3, Lamentis. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm joined by a longtime friend of the podcast. It's return guest CH. Welcome back. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for, for having me back. Am I your uh, like number one Avenger? The the Tony Stark or the Steve Rogers? Yeah. Am I your guestiest guest? Uh, I think you might be. I think you are. Also, Rob is up there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you you know what? If we count appearances in the outtakes, it's definitely you. Oh, that's true. I was in several times in the outtakes. Most heard voice mostly, other than mostly mine. Mostly buttholes. Yeah. yeah. And we usually do long episodes too, so I think I think you are. If we were to calculate minutes of how many, <laughs> how many times the, a voice has been heard on the podcast, it'd be me, and then and then I would wager it'd be you. Wow! And we've talked about yeah, a lot. We've talked yeah. about a lot of MCU installments, including Avengers, including yeah. Captain Marvel, including Wandavision. Yeah. yeah. And I have also mentioned you in passing on, on this podcast and right. on other podcasts. Specifically, I, I have as as uh, the the friend who was not a longtime MCU fan mm-hmm. and entered into this world largely as a result of my prodding. And right, as a <laughs> because you asked me to do your podcast, and I was like, sure. Yeah, and I and when I first had you on as a guest, the first few times I had you on as a guest, it was to get a little bit more of that outsider mm-hmm. or newcomer perspective. But I would say now that you're you're in it. I know. I'm actually now the only MCU stuff I haven't seen yet is Ant-Man and the Wasp. You like the it. Spider-Man. I know I'm going to. I saved it for last. Both the Spider-Man movies and Incredible Hulk, if that counts. Yeah, it's like the one that that if you aren't if you're going in this chaos order that you have gone in. Very interesting yes. order of, of viewing the installments in the MCU. I would say that Incredible Hulk does come last. Yeah. I do have my order written down, you know, if you ever need it. And the Spider-Mans, of course, and the Incredible Hulk, a little bit harder to find as they're not on Disney+. Plus. Right. The The main reason I haven't seen the Spider-Mans yet is because it's not on Disney+. Plus. That's okay. I, I'm going to lend you uh, DVDs and things like that, Blu-rays. I, know, and... I, I actually meant to take them when yeah. I was at your place. You do have a Blu-ray player, right? Yeah, I do. All right, so I'll make sure that you get your hands on Spider-Man Homecoming. I think I can maybe get them from the library. Too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's paid off in in this episode. I know it was a little a bit a little bit of a slog when you were watching Thor and Thor: The Dark World. Those weren't your favorite, but at least you got a, no. a reference to Thor in this episode. So that's that's true. I think I am glad that I watched Thor and Thor: Dark World for Loki the series. Right that we're doing right now however i absolutely hated both of them thor the dark world is my is my least favorite i like the incredible hulk movie a bit more than thor the dark um, world yeah i like because i disliked thor so much i like barely paid attention to thor dark world i was like 
working while I watched half the movie. I like folded laundry. Which is not usually your style. No, I usually. Especially the first time. Right. No, I usually like don't do things. Specifically don't do things while I'm watching TV. But like, yeah, I was like, God, I know I'm going to hate this. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. And and I recently revisited it, too, and hoping that maybe I'd, I'd have a little bit of a different perspective on it. And I would say watching it for Loki and trying to contextualize Loki's character development mm. before the series came out had a an impact on my viewing. And I enjoyed those parts of it. And certainly we're seeing Loki's relationship with his mom playing a role in how he's yeah. being uh, how he's growing in, in this uh, series. But when we did the podcast episode for episode eight of WandaVision, you said that it was really that show that kind of pushed you into becoming a little bit more of a, of a completionist in, in this world. Mm-hmm. And I am just kind of curious now that some time has passed. What are your thoughts on WandaVision and its role in this larger universe? Is that still your favorite thing in this universe? Um, That's a good question. I still... You know, after seeing a lot of this stuff and having some time pass, I still think WandaVision is, it will like persist as like a great TV show. Wanda- I think WandaVision- what is WandaVision if not persisting? <laughs> <laughs> a great TV show persisting. But yeah, I think it, it is still like a, a high tier TV show, which is amazing. I'm excited for what comes after WandaVision. Yeah. You know, I think that like the show also laid a lot of groundwork for what comes next. Um, since I've seen now most of the movies, WandaVision is still one of my favorite things. Um, I love, I loved Ant-Man and I thought that I would like Ant-Man, but I didn't realize how much I would love Ant-Man. I love both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Honestly, might be some of my favorites. Thor Ragnarok actually might be my first favorite because mm. um, I love I love camp right as you know I love camp and I love Hulk right um, all of those things that you just mentioned are all kind of within the the campy absurdist realm kind of, of the MCU yeah exactly exactly they're all like very silly which right. I love and so, I mean Thor Ragnarok is like high camp oh yeah and it's just so Thor Ragnarok is just so queer yeah. Even without being necessarily explicitly so, though. The, right. Capital the Q, capital Q queer culture, you know? Yeah. Jeff Jeff Goldblum is like... Wonderful. Very gay. The um, eye makeup and the clothing. And... The eye makeup of the clothing and like the butt, the butt joke. <laughs> um, so just love Thor Ragnarok. And honestly, liked Iron the Iron Man movies way more than I thought I would. Yeah, you know, I they're the only one the only movies that I I haven't really enjoyed are Thor and Thor Dark World. Mm. Gotta say I don't super love Captain America Civil War either. Mm. Um Oh I think I think I remember you I saying that one was a little a little bit of a slog for you. Yeah, I was talking about it's it's very long and it's also like the entire conflict of the plot could be resolved by like just these like two men talking to her, like having a regular <laughs> conversation. Like most of the movie did, doesn't need to happen if like Steve and Tony would just like talk to one another. No, but we wanted to see. So I found that very though. frustrating. That but makes yeah, sense for for what I know of of your consumption of 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 media, and right. I enjoy that that perspective. Although, and I'm I'm with you on the on the Thor movies in terms of their. Uh, 
their quality compared with the others and their rewatchability. Disagree on Civil War, but that's okay. And uh, I know that after WandaVision aired, you also then did watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. More in the grounded, realistic vein of the MCU. What'd you think of that one? So I did like, I did like enjoy it, but like, this is actually, I even wrote this down about it. Like, it's not like the brand of Marvel that I really enjoy Mm -hmm. because it's that like more like straightforward superhero-y stuff, like grounded. It does not have the silliness or the humor. Um, I, that being said, I did really enjoy learning more about like the post blip life Mm -hmm. because that's always something that i'm really interested about you know like that's that's like a very interesting concept what would happen if these things happened as you know because sometimes you get like a random text message from me that's like what if somebody was on the 20th story of a building when the blip happened and then that building got demolished and they got unblipped would they just plummet to their deaths there's an endless line (laughs) of questioning that you could go down the rabbit hole there's so many. So I do really appreciate seeing a lot of like top on their shoulder was really good in that regard in terms of kind of like the macro consequences of like the political yeah. landscape and stuff. In a way that reminded me of the leftovers. I don't know if you watched that show. You know, I actually fired it up on HBO max and watched, really? I watched the first few minutes of it. And uh, then I don't know why I, I paused it, oh. but I, I intentionally kind of was like, let me turn this on. And so now it's in my queue to continue watching mm-hmm. and going into the summer. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be uh, one that I'm going to finally dive into. Yeah. It, I actually really enjoyed that show. And it, I think you will find like a lot of similarities. It's interesting too. Cause in the left, there was only 2% of the world's population vanishes. Right. As opposed to 50, but um, just like the, I know, but just like the things that spring up around that happening are really interesting and like some, in some ways similar to what the MCU did. So, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, that you, um, when you're talking about WandaVision and kind of being excited for what comes after WandaVision, right? There's a, what directly came after WandaVision and the chronology of how they're releasing these things, which was not uh, overlap. In those worlds, of course, this is the larger universe. But, you know, if if we're going to use the universe metaphor, you know, on a different planet, so to speak, and they interact with each other, Mm -hmm. and then you have your your Falcon Winter Soldier, and then uh, we have Loki now, which is kind of um, in tone, has maybe some aspects Mm -hmm. of both, um, and is Mm -hmm. also playing with the timeline. Yeah. Going into Loki, what were you expecting from it? You know... I've said this about so many different pieces of Marvel content. I don't know exactly <laughs> what I was expecting, but not this. Mm. It's it's always not what I don't know what I expected, but I don't know. But I didn't expect like an exploration of like parallel universes mm. and timeline branches and like whether or not free will exists. Like. That's not what I expected. And I don't watch trailers, really. So I, mm-hmm. I had no, I had nothing going in. Yeah. And um, it's, not, uh, it's not what I was thinking. Well, and especially imagine without watching the trailers or without seeing the promotional material to 1970s, mid-century modern decor and mm. the character of Miss Minutes. Like, it's weird. It's oh, ne- not I necessarily what you would think. Miss Minutes is an icon. I know. Miss Minutes is truly an icon. Our queen. But yeah, and and that is like the type of stuff that I love. The DMV line and the mm-hmm. little cartoon with Miss Minutes, like 
that is what I come for. Yeah. I know through the conversations that we have had casually about the show that you that you are enjoying it and are particularly excited about this episode. Like I said, loved the the like weird vibe of the TVA and the like ridiculous like bureaucracy and all that. I like I at the after the first like episode or two, I kind of or not I guess not the end of the second episode, but maybe like partway through it. I kind of expected this to almost turn into like a buddy cop. I think you said mm-hmm. this in your podcast, kind of like a buddy cop investigation show for the whole thing. Um, and I am glad it's not yeah. being that because I, I think partway through the second episode, I was like, Oh man, I don't know how much of this I can take. Um, so I'm, I'm very pleased that they did not do that for six episodes. So love Sylvie. Oh my goodness. Love that. That whole thing. I'm sure we'll get into that. I'm going to be honest, this is not a popular opinion. I've never really liked Owen Wilson that much. What about the character, uh, though? He's okay. I, I think I think that I will grow to like him. I think that there's going to be a lot more to him than than we see. Yeah. I've always found Owen Wilson like a, like a teeny bit annoying. I can't <laughs> really put my finger on why. Um, that's fair I'll say I am invested uh, in him I want him to have his uh, moment on the jet ski and I I'm excited about his character but that being said I also didn't feel like this episode was um, I didn't feel like oh my god give me back my crime procedural give me back Owen Wilson I was like I want to I want to go in different directions I I want them to mix it up yeah and I think that when Owen Wilson does come back it'll be like in a, a good and interesting way I think he might uh, maybe I should save this for the prediction section. I don't know. He might, I could see him teaming up with Loki and mm. Sylvie with whatever they're doing. You know, I think that there's hope for the, for, yeah, for hope character. for the character, but, but you're yeah. a little stuck on o- the Owen's Owen-iness. I know. Yeah. Wow. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. So, yeah. so I like it. And we're here today, of course, to discuss specifically episode three. Perfect episode to have you on for many reasons. Oh my god, so excited! Completely happened on accident. But before I we, know, I was just going to tell a story. Tell to us the story, listeners. So uh, several weeks ago, on June sixth, <laughs> to be precise, wow, uh, at twelve fifty eight p.m., you texted me and asked if I was going to watch Loki and if I would be on the podcast. And you specifically said that you wish you knew which episodes would be which <laughs> in advance. Because, quote, I think we're going to get some stuff that's right up your alley in this show. And I was like, yeah, of course I'll do it. You know, hopefully it's a, a good episode that's up my alley. And what do you know? Yeah. We, unless, <laughs> unless there's more coming, we have landed on the perfect episode to have me on. And you wanted me to do last week and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm so glad. And as fate would have it, fate knew. I think they like, did. No, now. no, 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 don't do this one. And do the next one. If you'd been on last week, we'd have, we would have been able to talk about the reveal. Yeah, of we would have had, we would have had Lady Loki at the end. Uh, but yeah. this is going to be, I think, a, a very rich discussion to, to get your this perspective on. This is where we on. get it. I want to thank Disney and Marvel for airing this during Pride Month. You know, it is. Yeah. It almost makes up for the century or so. <laughs> Of homophobia and transphobia 
that Disney has been screwing out. It's a long... Just thank you. It almost makes up for it. No, Loki, as it was, felt very much like a a Pride Month show. Knowing... Yeah, yes, for sure. Knowing what we know about Loki in Norse mythology and knowing what we know about his character in the comics and and the the fluidity of his gender identity. Right, and And the birth certificate in the trailer. Yeah, and that was really the first time that within Mm -hmm. the, the cinematic universe... There was anything related to his his uh, gender identity mm. or that aspect of the character, which we can talk about this more when we get to the actual lines from the episode. But I appreciate that they, while they hadn't addressed it previously, they also don't need to backtrack now and make anything different, yeah. right? Right. Rewatching the previous films that feature Loki, you can now watch it understanding that this was, you know, gender identity, sexual orientation were parts of that character all along. And it doesn't, at least in my opinion, it doesn't feel like that Dumbledore thing where it was an afterthought entirely, you know, because it was always, and Hiddleston, I think, was always played it as if it was part of the character. Yeah. And it's, it's always felt like that. Yeah. Loki has always, Loki has always felt like that. Yeah. Like, like this is not like a retcon by any means. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, been one of the the big takeaways from this episode, from what I have seen in, in internet spaces, a lot of excitement around it, probably also some negativity around it, but I don't pay attention to that. I've been yeah, seeing a lot of the excitement around it, which is just really wonderful to see celebration, I just said, during, during Pride Month. What else do you think about this episode? <laughs> I don't even know what <laughs> It's like something about a moon. Something about a moon. Like Loki got drunk. Loki Loki got drunk on a train. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) An alternate title for the podcast episode: Something about a moon. Um, moon. Well, it's interesting that you say that because this episode had a, a very different feel in some ways from the first two, but also feels of a consistent piece as well. Consistency, I think, is in the time spent on characters talking to each other, which I love. Where it felt a little bit like a departure from the first two episodes is, of course, taking us out of the setting that we've established already, the setting of the TVA, taking us away from our second lead, the aforementioned mm-hmm. Owen Wilson as Mobius, and bringing us into a, a different location, the, the moon that you were talking about. <laughs> and moon. it had, to me, it had a little bit of a Mandalorian feel, uh, which I know you mm-hmm. haven't seen I have not, no. Uh, or even a, a Doctor Who type feel where, we're, okay, we have this adventure this week mm. and we're on some planet and we got to go over here in order to get over here and maybe our technology is dead and there's some obstacles and take the train to the Ark and the this and the that. Yeah. And some of the actual details of the plot don't matter because it's mm. about the character development with, within that. Right. The, the, all of the plot elements were just devices to have Loki and Sylvie together and talking and interacting. Exactly. The other people that we're encountering on this moon don't matter because literally they're going to die. And and we obviously can't care about them in any personal way. And then on the other hand, which could lead to some critique of the episode I've seen in the Twitter sphere, again, I kind of mostly stay away from any negativity, but I have seen some valid, oh, it kind of has a filler episode type feel. Because we know that our lead characters here, Loki and Sylvie, 
they're obviously going to be okay, which right. doesn't mean that one of them couldn't, you know, die or otherwise uh, get severely changed in a negative manner at the end of this series, but not episode three. I think we're no, we know that they're going to be okay. So the stakes don't necessarily feel that high with this whole arc thing and the whole planet exploding thing, because we can mostly trust that they're going to end up okay. That being said, I, to me, that doesn't detract from it for me, because I appreciated the conversations that they were having. I don't mind just seeing them walk around the planet and talking to each other. Just like I don't mind seeing the Mandalorian walk around the planet holding baby Grogu. Like, it's super cute. You know what I mean? It's yeah. beautiful. I mean, the cinematography, beautiful. Right. Music, beautiful. Right. If if anything, having a low-stakes plot allows you to focus more on that character work, which really is, you know, if your intention when writing an episode is to have people focus on the characters, don't overload it with plot. Yeah. Yes, they're on this apocalyptic moon. Obviously, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. How are they going to be fine? I don't know. That might be fun to find out. But like, yeah, who don't really care that much at the moment. Right. And it will be fun to find out. It was it was kind of interesting. You know, the episode ends very abruptly. It was interesting because it was a shorter episode. Yeah. Ended very abruptly. Yeah, it was. Also yeah. began very abruptly in that the previous episode, you know, leaves off with this bombing of the sacred timeline and all of the TVA agents like, whoa, like this is a huge thing. And then we start off and we're not in that world at all. So we don't, we're not actually yet seeing the immediate consequences of that as it it pertains to those people who are working for the TVA Mm -hmm. and Mobius, the other character who we probably have the most uh, investment in just in terms of airtime so far. But regardless, I would say that the episode, this one here feels a little bit like an interlude in, in with, within that larger plot of what's happening with this sacred timeline or not and i thought i think it was a very a very welcome one for for a number of reasons so for the first two episodes i spent some time talking about the questions related to free will and destiny and omniscient powers and all of those questions remain integral to the essence of this show of course but after after this episode, I kind of just thought to myself in, in trying to craft, you know, what my idea was going to be about this week, because there has to be an idea, you know, there was an idea. And I thought to myself, I was like, was the theme of this hour simply just love? Like, was the theme of this this episode love? And I yeah. I think, you know, we we have this break kind of in the larger plot. We're spending time with these two characters or in a really interesting way, two altered manifestations of the same mm. character, which is really fascinating. And it, there's yeah. definitely something more, more intimate about the concepts that it's dealing with. And I, what I kind of formulated when I came up with is this <laughs> in Loki episode three, there was an idea that it, maybe it's through this process of reflection in the case of Loki, quite literally meeting another version of himself and sitting across from her, that he's forced to, uh, and maybe one is empowered to articulate certain emotions. And there's a lot of focus on relationships, be they romantic or familial, in the conversations that they have with each other. And he's being forced to define love, and which is not something I was necessarily expecting. 
but I think it could be fun and, and trust too, I think is important here about, you know, yeah. like you said too, like you kind of have these two people who are kind of thrown in this, in this situation and they have to figure out, you know, how they could trust each other. And there's this added layer, I think, because in this idea of there being variants, it's about trusting each other and trusting yourself and knowing yourself and questioning yourself and anticipating what this other version of you might do or say. But I don't know if you wrote any of these down, but they say a lot of things beginning with love is in this episode. Right. And they're they're kind of weird and interesting. So I figured we should just talk about them for a minute. Yeah. What is love if not two iterations of the same person interacting? I'm here for it. <laughs> you made it weird. Well, no, we're going to get there. I have some important questions. But so okay, going back okay. to this idea go, go. about what they say about love in this episode the first time it comes up you have these two characters are sitting on this train together and they come to the topic of love and you know also relationships kind of more broadly and uh we hear sylvie say maybe love is hate after she says maybe love is hate that's when he does his very fun let me conjure my my quill <laughs> from the air and pretend like i'm gonna write it down and that was cute that was funny after they have the conversation in which they both uh, acknowledge their bisexual identity, pansexual identity. Sylvie says, love is mischief then, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's the one Loki's like, no, no. And he says, love is, and then he doesn't know. He, 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 he has to pause and has to get another drink. And he doesn't know how to articulate it. And then later... He says, love is a dagger. It's a weapon to be wielded far away or up close. You can see yourself in it. It's beautiful until it makes you bleed. But ultimately, when you reach for it, Sylvie says, it isn't real. Love is an imaginary dagger. And the narrative, the show, in text, makes a joke about this and calls it a clumsy metaphor. And maybe it is. But I don't know about you. I kind of like the love is a dagger take. And I think it makes sense for for Loki. I think it does make sense for loki and it does like when he's when he's saying this and he's drunk mm-hmm. you know he goes through this whole thing and it's definitely one of those things that you know like looks really it's like one of those like bots on the internet that like auto generates like um motivational quotes <laughs> you know that just like sound deep but then you act like, stop and you're like wait that doesn't mean anything yeah. so he, he does sound like that but there is, you know, there is something to what he's saying. And it also, I think your opinion of that is going to be extremely dependent on your experiences hmm. with love and relationships. And that's like one of the things that I find very interesting about Loki and Sylvie as people and with them interacting is that they are, quote unquote, the same person, hmm. but have had extremely different life experiences. Yeah. And I think that part of why they have different, you know, she says maybe love is hate and that's pretty extreme. And I think that speaks to probably yeah. her. And we don't know too much about her yet. Whatever. Yeah. Right. We know that she didn't know her, her mother, right. Whereas Loki, right. Big part of his identity is, is what his mother taught him and the, like her legacy, you know, he's, he's struggling. He wants to, he wants to come up with something and, a da- you know, the daggers are very significant objects for Loki, obviously. Mm-hmm. And an item that he knows its use very well. And he, the, he says you can see yourself in it. 
which is interesting, right? This whole mm-hmm. series is about him looking at himself and learning more about himself. And ultimately, when you reach for it, you know, she says it isn't real. And he says an imaginary dagger. And again, as ridiculous as that is, and they call it out for being ridiculous, I think it also does speak to this uh, fact of illusion and how so much for Loki and what we know about him from the previous movies, especially, is about his illusions. Mm-hmm. And we don't know much at all about any romantic relationships for Loki, but we do know about his familial relationships with Thor and with his mother and with uh, his father. And there's so much to illusion in the way that he relates to his emotional intimacy, his pain and grief over the death of his mom and the way that he treats Thor. And I think that it is something that, as silly as that line may be, I also like it. And I I like that it makes sense for for his character. Yeah, I think anything like that, any type of conversation like that is going to tell you more about the person speaking than about love. And I think for that reason, his his response is really interesting. And it definitely, it makes sense for him. Yeah, that's very insightful. That's very insightful. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just continuing to think about that. So what do you think about the larger themes of the show so far? What stands out to you? Look, he's bi. <laughs> the entire episode. What else is going on in the plot? Doesn't matter. What are the other themes of the show? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Loki's bi. And as he's saying he's bi, he just assumes that Sylvie is too, which is very funny. Um, yeah. And and there's, there's so much uh, trans content in here also. Okay, speak um, a little bit more to that. I, sure. So, I mean, it is... It is an oversimplification, but very easy to look at Sylvie as just like a transitioned Loki, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, and there's there's a lot of you know she uh, like she hates being called Loki. Mm. You know he said it a couple times to her, and she's like, "Do not call me that." There's I read this as kind of foreshadowing at the beginning of episode two when Loki and the TVA are all standing around talking about the variant. And Loki, this only happens actually once, but Loki does refer to the variant with they pronouns. Right. Everyone else just keeps saying he. But um, I, I forget the exact lines. It says, like, they're a lesser Loki or something like that. Right. So obviously, there's like a lot of a lot of trans energy happening here. And what is really fun is kind of looking at the two of them, seeing the two of them interact. It almost reads as kind of Sylvie talking to her past self mm. um i, I there's a, a lot of read, a media that I, I read as that as somebody who who is trans talking to a, a like a, a former version of themselves that didn't know that you know or about themselves the first one that comes to mind is the song pictures of you by the cure oh um, if, you know, the, i've been staring so long at these pictures of you and i almost can't believe they're real or something like that. Is I think it's, I almost believe that they are real, right? I almost, oh yeah, yeah. yeah something like that. Wow. And that's just like a, a thing that I, I see in media. Um, and one of the ways that I read these scenes between the two of them. And those kinds of conversations are, are just really interesting to, to see someone talking to two different versions of themselves. And in the sense that one of those versions is missing something. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, and it, it kind of seems like that. That's Sylvie is more quote unquote 
advanced or evolved. She knows more than Loki. She knows what's going on much more so than Loki does. I I get that vibe from the two of them. That's a really fascinating read. I am thinking a lot about that. So thank, thank you for bringing in that perspective. In a much more shallow way, I read the interaction between the two of them as if you met another version of yourself, any gender identity, any sexual orientation aside, would you have some intense chemistry with yourself? Because... <laughs> I think I would. And I was watching these scenes and like I said, far more shallow. I was like, hmm. They did have chemistry. Right? I kept being like, are they about to kiss? That's weird. I don't know what I'm going to do with that if they do. So the, but the question still stands. What would you do? Would you like another alternate version of yourself? Depends. Big question. I don't know. And you know what? I I would say, like, along that same vein, it would depend which version of me yeah. it is. You know? Um, it de- it so depends. It depends on in what context. Yeah. Like, and if it, you're just going to, like, hang out and chill, like, I probably find them annoying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, it brings up, you know... Interesting questions of nature and nurture and things like that as well, right? Because yeah, yeah. there's something inherent to the way that both of them behave that they recognize in each other, in, including his reference to, hey, I have had relationships mm-hmm. with people of different genders, and I'm assuming that you have as well, right? That's something that feels mm-hmm. in- integral to who we are. And there's right. other bits, too, in the way they communicate with each other. It seems that they're recognizing a lot of themselves in each other. But then they have that conversation about the way that they were raised. Now, they were both adopted, which is interesting. But mm-hmm. Sylvie not knowing her mother, Loki talking a lot about the influence of his mother. And so there are those other factors as well, right, that you get this sense of um, much of who we are are these kind of things that feel inherent. But then there's also much of who we are that are contextual. So, I, you know, I think that's the uh, the deep side of it. And then again, the superficial side of it is I think that, you know, they're both hot. They're both. <laughs> <laughs> they're both uh, very intelligent and powerful. And Loki is a character. And I, again, we could probably assume the same for this Sylvie who who else but another version of himself is our MCU Loki gonna fall for come on I mean I mean yeah and maybe they could like you know they got those daggers the swords like that could be involved I don't know but like yeah uh it's funny prior to this episode I was thinking about Loki and while he has always had this like semblance of queer energy I kind of was like, you know, I could see also Loki being canonically asexual. Mm-hmm. And when they were having that conversation, I was like, ooh, it's going to go one way or the other over yeah. here. Uh, I'm kind of glad that they did what they did. But because we, and and there's not too many romantic storylines in the MCU, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and the ones that are are so- like very established. It's kind of like Tony and Pepper are a thing. Like there's not going to be romantic yeah. drama really. It's like they're a thing and they'll have obstacles, right. but there's and there's a couple that like just are weird and don't make sense. Like 
Thor and I don't even know her name, Jane. Yeah, like, Thor and that Jane. One is, yeah. That one is very contrived, honestly. Natasha? Natasha. <laughs> Natasha and Bruce Banner. Oh, Natasha like, and Bruce oh. Banner was the worst one. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. like, what is that? Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp are, are cute. Yeah, that one. That one feels natural. Uh, Star-Lord and mm-hmm. Gamora. That one feels fine. Rocket and also, Groot. <laughs> Rocket and Groot. Steve and Bucky. <laughs> you know, that's a very natural one. Um, oh, Wanda so, and Vision, but, I mean, obviously, are like, <laughs> we're making right, all the couples. Yeah, but Wanda, I think of, of, of all of these, like, I mean, Wanda and Vision are the couple that they chose to tell the very romantic story about where it was the it was the right. core of it. And, and oftentimes in these others, it's kind of like less... And so, yeah, so while there's not too, too, too much romance in the MCU, you, we have never seen Loki in any type of that. And there, mm-hmm. there could be room for that in Thor or Thor Dark World where he's on Asgard and like whatever, whatever. Um, but there hasn't been that. Yeah. So yeah, I could see him being picky. Yeah. And maybe uh, another version of himself is ideal for him. True for a lot of people. I right. I a lot of people like, want to date themselves. Right. I feel like it's really you, you included. <laughs> I think it's relatable content. <laughs> of course, he's picky, and yeah. of course, he's going to meet another version of himself who, as I've mentioned, is very good looking. And of course, because obviously he is too, and he knows it. They dress very mm-hmm. well. Independence, authority, and style is what makes and, a Loki a Loki. Yeah. And they both have it. And, and and the independence is an important note there too, right? You know, clearly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. so again, who else is going to get that about Loki? Now, I am a little bit confused in terms of how the genetics work because they obviously aren't identical. Well, they okay. Well, first of all, they can change their appearance at will oh good point oh that's such a good point and because she kind of rejects and being sylvie, a loki sylvie has transitioned so two oh things my. number one sylvie has transitioned number two they can change their appearance at will which honestly good for you sylvie oh, that makes wow. things so much easier i hadn't quite considered that if this variant of loki who is sylvie who rejects being called loki multiple times as you, as you noted goes by sylvie calls it an alias which has a little bit of a connotation of, of disguise but perhaps we could also interpret it other ways but it would kind of stand to reason that she it, her external image is not how she has always been right yeah wow yeah okay that was what i, I mean that was that was my interpretation there's always um jokes in trans spaces that are like person asks like if you could have any superpower what would it be and trans person immediately shape shifting shape shifting wow. oh so loki is a trans you see icon. you see jokes like you see jokes yeah. like that a lot loki is a trans icon yeah he's like a gender fluid icon that is a, a real thing yeah i can't believe that oh. didn't occur to me that as many times as we've seen loki you know change his outward appearance that wow this is why you had me this week. I I know you're bringing you are bringing such. I I, I apologize yeah. for being kind of flippant about the the shallow com, you know part of the conversation, but uh, <laughs> I, think, no, <laughs> I think you're bringing in a really interesting uh, perspective, and and particularly that 
idea of talking, you know, I was really interested in this idea of, of confronting oneself and, you know, that moment of reflection, but I really am intrigued by this reading of it as being a a past self and especially in a show that concerns itself with, with time. And again, we also get the sense that she is more fully realized in a way or, or like she, she knows more. Yeah, she's almost more, I don't know, I don't know if she's older, mm. like if she's, like, lived longer, if she's, I don't know, more, quote, evolved, like, whatever her differing life experience is, like, she she has much more awareness of what's going on in their situation than Loki. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I wonder if some of it is a little bit more self-awareness as well because i really do i really mm-hmm. like the line mm-hmm. where uh she's kind of calling him out for being drunk you know she says you asshole you killed us you're not a serious man and he goes you're right i'm a god you know he's still doing his kind of posturing mm-hmm. thing and she says you're a clown and he goes i'm hedonistic that's what i do and she goes i'm hedonistic a lot more than you i assure you <laughs> but never at the expense of the mission right mm-hmm. so I, I there's kind of almost that sense of um where he's maybe still in this playful space, this mischief space that she she has that too, but kind of knows when to. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like Lucky's still in like uh, his like fret adolescence. Fret yeah, and she's like, yeah, I love that, and I do that sometimes, but I also have like a a nine to five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's no. intriguing to think about a character like Loki who is so old to maybe only be in the adolescence of his Lokiness, but I think that that's that's something the show was playing with because it's this isn't even the Loki that we last saw in the MCU, right? This is Loki in 2012. Right. It's Loki before but it's both before and after the death of his mother and that it was before the death right. of his mother, but now it's after her death in terms of he's processing it in real time because he just learned about right. it. Right, now he's seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I do really enjoy what the show's doing with with time. Yeah, it's been interesting. I'm also going to just throw these other two little points in here because I don't know where else to say them. I really appreciated the way Loki interacting with Sylvie. Loki is completely unbothered by the fact that this like other version of him is a woman. Right. And I I think it's very easy in a, a lot of different, you know, types of media and stuff to like, do a very tired thing where you know Loki could be like, oh, like a woman, you know, the che- like the do joke. some like stupid toxic masculine garbage around that. And so I very much appreciate that that didn't happen. It would be out of character, certainly, right? But uh, uh, yeah, I'm as glad. you noted, the other characters at the TVA were assuming he and Loki didn't necessarily assume he, um, Exa- fall, right? Because exactly, gets it. he he knows. And I, you know, you could see like if a character like Mobius ran into an alternate version of himself that was a woman, you could see that type of reaction, yeah, coming from that character. Sure, sure. So like, thank you for not making us watch that. Yeah, they didn't make a cheap joke out of it. They yeah. didn't make it this sensationalized thing. And they also stayed true yeah. to, to what Loki's character would really would really be like, which is nice. Right. And then the other like little note that I'm just going to throw in here. I know you, in the couple minutes of your episode two that I listened to, you mentioned Sylvie's horned crown, where yeah. one of the horns is broken off. And I kind of read that as like a little bit of a phallic thing. Really? You know, it's huh. like the, getting, just getting that chopped right off. 
I uh, I hadn't considered that. I figured you hadn't. In this episode, she does use it as a weapon at one point. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, she takes it off at at one point and kind of uses it. I'd have to, like, look at it closely to see exactly what Mm -hmm. move she did with it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, she... The the crown is interesting. Um, Yeah. The missing horn. Yeah. Leads to me like a a missing penis, but... (laughs) I like it. You know, I, I think this also brings up kind of the point of about her character is that we don't actually learn too much about her. And right. I'm I'm thinking that we will learn more about exactly she says she's adopted. Well, who who was she adopted by? Was this right. also on Asgard or could this be any number of planets or rather realms or things like this and so i hope we kind of get a little bit more about that and her age and or not necessarily age but how long she's been around and all of this me too i mean that's one of the things that i'm most interested in now in this series is like what is sylvie's deal like what has her life been like what yeah what happened was it was it odin that adopted her was it someone else no um it's interesting when they kept when they were talking about their mothers they never said like Frigga. Right. And they they were almost talking about their mothers as if they were not the same person. Right. Right. And what like what is she what does she like want why is she so obsessed with the TVA? And what exactly does she want? Yeah. Maybe. I was curious as to why they didn't really get into that in, the, in this episode too, because mm-hmm. we did, you know, in a in a plot type of way, we learn one really important piece of information. I know what you're about to say it's that Loki's by, but in addition, <laughs> we learn, <laughs> we do learn a very important piece of information regarding the TVA from Sylvie, and that is yeah. of course in one of the standout scenes that we may as well talk about now, even though it comes toward the end of the episode. You know, to our point, Loki is kind of prodding her. You know, I've told you about me. But I don't really know about you. She says that's a tactical advantage, but she does then teach him about how to do the enchantment, which is interesting. I think Mm -hmm. that likely means that we'll see Loki probably do that at some point, which is cool. And she talks about how it's, it's interesting as well. How she talks about how she kind of creates this fantasy from the memories that the people had. And she talks about the, the, she calls her a TVA soldier who liked the margaritas. And, and I thought that was a fun way to open the episode too, to kind of like, yeah, like throw us into a Haley Kiyoko song and like a bar. Which, by the way, as soon as that started, I was like, is this a gay date? And then, <laughs> lo and behold, I, you know, that was a great uh, little opening Very for fitting. a gay episode. Very fitting. You know? Haley Kiyoko, um, of course, an icon. And on top of that, the lyrics to the song were about demons and uh, felt quite relevant. And, you know, this is the, the reveal that Sylvie kind of matter of fact it sort of says yeah yeah that was before she fought for the tva and she was just right. a regular person on earth and love margaritas and reveals to loki you know they're variants just like us and loki of course is like well they don't know that so the implications of that are very big yeah that's kind of what i was thinking with mobius that he might find that out and that leads him to kind of team up with loki and sylvie yeah that's what um, i'm thinking too i'm thinking yeah. that the details that that have made me glom on to something about Mobius. I know he doesn't work as well for you. 
<laughs> but part of what I what I find charming about the Mobius character are those little kind of human things that he loves the jet skis, uh, that he finds, you know, the that he finds the beauty in the jet skis, that he drinks the Jasta soda, and he likes all of the mm. like knickknacks and things like that. And it kind of hints toward that humanity. And so I imagine that, you know, we'll kind of learn he was a person who had his version of the margaritas, you know, and maybe yeah. we'll see that and, a little bit. Yeah. And I thought that when I having that conversation, I was like, it's just so weird that he's so obviously human. The timekeepers are these omniscient beings who control the sacred timeline for the entire universe. And they created all these people. Why human? Yeah. There are so many different like species and different, you know, totally. things in this universe. Like why, why are they all human? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My prediction is that he like invented the jet ski. I don't know how he became a time variant. (laughs) I don't know how he became a time variant. Maybe he like jet skied into like a time portal. I don't know. Oh my goodness. But there's something there. Yeah. You know, like definitely his, like his human past is going to involve jet skis in a large way. Yeah. I'm excited for that. And I, I also think another implication of this whole thing is the language that they use around resetting, uh, they mentioned it in the first episode, mm. I think in the second as well, that, oh, you're going to get reset. It seems to suggest that resetting basically kind of just means like yeah, a, a factory a factory reset, right? Like mm-hmm. a, going back to default settings, kind of wiping your memory. Yeah. And then that made me think that, um, you know, is there a possibility now that, you know, we know that these people were are all human, obviously, and they had their memories mm. wiped. Uh, is there a possibility that that could happen to Loki and that could up the stakes for a season two or something like that? Is there a way to get these people out of it? Um, Mobius, the whole thing in episode two with Mobius, like not remembering that he was the cause of the, of the, uh, rings from his drink and not remembering the pen that Renslayer had. I feel like that's going to tie in somehow. Yeah. That's actually really interesting. Uh, I was also wondering, so in this episode, you know those like sticky weapons that the TVA uses? Yeah. Like the lights on the end. When they, uh, I think it was like Sylvie, like got someone to use one on someone else or whatever. The way the people like vanish when getting hit with those weapons, to me, I was like, it doesn't necessarily feel like those people have died. It's almost like they've been transported or something like that you know yeah, I, weird. I kind of wonder if that weapon functions in somewhat some sort of that way yeah, too I wonder. I wonder i think that's really interesting i think that's the same weapon they used on the guy who didn't take his ticket in the first episode right or oh yeah exactly so it like, just doesn't feel like a, a a death yeah the way that they do that it feels like something else yeah yeah, and it of course opens up more questions too about what the end goal of the TVA is. Obviously, the goal is to maintain the sacred timeline, but we really don't know for for what reasons. And on that note, <laughs> we've <laughs> we've touched on a lot, but I did want to see if you had any other key moments or key scenes that we didn't necessarily touch on to bring up. I don't think so. Not. From my standpoint, um, though, like shout out to Loki singing. 
yeah. that song in Asgardian. That was so good. That was great. I love there's a couple of moments that I just loved in their interaction with each other. I love when what does he say at one point? He's just like, You're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think I'd also, when I was yeah. flirting with my alternate self, I think I'd also probably be like, oh, you're so weird. Um, oh I've been mean, spending all day thinking about flirting with your alternate self. You're like, I can conjure some fireworks from my hand. You, like a very you thing to do. I know. I've, like, I do. see like two versions of you like standing in like front of a car, like checking your hair and reflection <laughs> of the window. Like. I do. I feel so, so shallow compared with you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I look at I look at my hair a lot too. So. Uh, yes, you do, and you talk about oh, it a lot yeah, as well. I do, <laughs> I do and I'm, I want you all your listeners to know that I've regrown my mullet. It looks um, great because I talked about it on the Captain Marvel episode, and then I I shaved it off in November, and it's uh, it's back. Now it's back. Back yeah, look at that it's little baby little baby mullet here. Oh, it is a little baby mullet. Yeah. One of my students just I, got a I mullet. A little trim over here. It's nice. Yeah. Um, petition to replace any type of phrase like that's not very ladylike with the far superior, it's not very Loki like. <laughs> I will sign that petition. Um, that was a good line. I also like yeah. when uh, when he says his line about independence, authority, and style. She's like, "Well, yeah, of course you went to go work for the boring, oppressive time police." And he has been using the word "boring" a lot, and so I like that she uses the word "boring." Mm-hmm. And of course, when she says, "I'm not you," I think that's important to all the points we were making. That they're no, they're not exactly the same, right? Their contexts may have, have uh, resulted in, in important differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, that old lady calls them devils. Which I think is cute. Oh, you know the the clearly this moon that we were on, lamentous one. I was getting notes of Titanic with wealthy mm. people get to yeah. be on the transportation and right. very it, Hunger Games. Was, their clothing and right there was even like a women and children line. Yes, yeah, like yeah, very Titanic vibes for sure. Yes. Just want to see if there's anything else here. Love their banter. Love Loki with the two champagnes. You know, oh, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't lo- know. If- I loved the two champagnes. That was very me. I felt like because <laughs> I feel like a lot of people don't like champagne, and I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> Cheers to yourself. With it was get, like get to like a t- a wedding table, and like suddenly I have like eight glasses of champagne. <laughs> Like everyone does the toast and people are like, I don't want to finish this. And I'm like, hand it yeah, over. A lot of people don't like it. Yeah. I don't know why I love champagne. You know, we obviously talked about the the coming out scene, so to speak, but I don't know if we actually use the the specific words of, you know, how she asks him about would-be princesses mm-hmm. or perhaps another prince. Just very, very matter of fact, because obviously she knows and her own experience. Right. And, um, yeah, I thought that was great. The way, the just the way that, that came up and the way Loki responded, it was all very nonchalant yeah, and very much like, you know, I know this about me. I know this about you. Exactly. Very organic. And I think, you know, on a meta way, like for a a character within the Marvel cinematic universe, a Disney character for what it's worth, right. To canonically a major character in this, in this world uh, to 
canonically uh, have a a gender identity and a sexual orientation that is something that is not cisgender straight as yeah. in the past we have had characters established to be those things and there's always been uh, many people um in their viewing and in the, in the writing there's kind of this assumption that that's the default and so for them to kind of say no mm-hmm. right like these characters right. are acknowledging something else um but without it making a cause for drama, right? That Loki has to deal with some ridiculous right. queer coming right. out story where he has to um, uh, reckon with, you know, a struggle with his identity, which, you know, those stories can be important as well, or he has to deal with other people's acceptance or lack thereof, like right. uh, specifically lack yeah. thereof, right? And so it's nice that, that that's not how we're getting it, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun. Like he's coming out to literally himself. Mm hmm. You know, mostly to the viewer, but it's to himself, right. so it doesn't matter. Right. Um, is is um is Valkyrie canonically gay? Valkyrie is canonically a, a LGBTQ plus character um, in the comics, and I think in Taika's uh, Taika Waititi's understanding of who she is, yes, mm-hmm. and he has said as much. But the scene. That implied. Well, there is still the scene yeah, that implies there is it. That, there's that scene in Ragnarok right. that very strongly implies it. Yes, there uh, was a scene that made it more not explicit. explicit. It's right. not explicit at all. It's certainly yeah. not as explicit as a little bit of both, but um, right. And it's not like you know, probably a you know typical straight person wouldn't necessarily pick up on wouldn't. that in Valkyrie scene. Right. Right. As yeah. we discussed, I think anybody with eyes can see that Carol Danvers and Maria Rambo oh, are I basically forgot. married. But I can't I forgot about <laughs> but that. that's not no yeah. not canonically established one, at all. See, that one is um I don't remember the word I'm looking for. But like the fact that they went so out of their way to be like, no, 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 like you know, outside of the outside of the actual movie, you know, yeah. interviews and stuff, like, no, they're not, they're friends. Like, it suggests the so they, much like, progress. So, the fact they so ardently needed to say that, yeah, you know, and even even and, with 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 TT like talking about cutting the scene with Valkyrie that was explicit in nature, it, it definitely seems in the past few years that there has been. Right. Um, pull in the other direction to be like no we can just normalize yeah. this and, and I wonder too if it's because it's a TV show and not like a theatrical release movie that they have a little more leeway because a lot of you know a, a lot of those things are because they need the uh, movies to perform well in foreign markets in especially in foreign markets yeah. where they might not be cool with that yeah and in the, um, the show format it it's not it's a little different. Block, it's uh, just going on. Does anyone box watch Plus? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, not to be cynical about it, but they can also in translations and uh, subtitle, like, you know, kind of change right. it and things like that as well. Right. Um, they could, I wonder if they will actually. That's interesting. Yeah. I have this like somewhat semblance of a memory of some fictional universe where there's like, quote unquote, like higher beings that are all like, sexually fluid or bi or queer or something like that and i'm trying to remember if it exists and what it is Hmm. um because i'm thinking like are all as guardians 
five, like five. Or like don't even necessarily identify, right? Like there's something to right. like it's just like every like right there like there's something even to uh, it's actually so it's interesting, right? Because you know. Every, hashtag bicon loki right i've and i've seen people respond to it as as a clearly being a statement of bisexuality perhaps pansexuality where people use those terms in an overlapping manner uh queer right these types of terms and and people have a tendency to to uh to label out of a sense of comfort perhaps sometimes to over label but so all of that being said i don't think that loki i think loki and sylvie it's tough, right? Because on the one hand, in terms of representations, you actually have uh, words that are used by people in the community used explicitly is, is important in certain contexts. And then also to your point, people who are as guardian, people who are these Lokis uh, probably don't care about any sense of socially constructed labels and probably are uh, behaving in a manner that is something that just is familiar to to who they are right i don't know yeah i that's what kind of wondering like like it could be just like a cultural norm on asgard yeah. that like yeah everyone just like kind of doesn't know what they want there's like no you know just like straight up society of homophobia um almost like ancient greece yeah you know, it's just like it, where it's a culture of of uh yeah kind of the the norm to right just like what to be like everyone just like right. does something there, you know right it's like I could normal. see that. I could definitely read yeah. that into it. And uh, obviously, there's no canon sense of any other Asgardians that we know having a an identity label or or necessarily. But you know, to your point, we don't see too much action uh, in the romantic sense in in these movies anyway. <laughs> so it's not like there's cuts. You know, we we cut from one scene to another, and Odin is just like in his chambers with. All sorts of different people. I feel like you're just the only person who thinks that the Marvel movies don't have a lot of action <laughs> um, because you have a different definition of that word. I think we've talked about a lot in this episode. Yeah. Is there anything else that you have? Any any last thoughts about where the show might be going next? Things that you hope to see? I I will say, you know, somewhat of a prediction i saw today when i was walking my dog um what i'm going to interpret as a sign oh, wow. because i was thinking about this podcast while i was walking there was a discarded right next to my house too discarded can of four loco oh my goodness um and it just made me think of four loki and maybe there will be four loki four loki um because i saw the sign of four loco and maybe they'll all be hot and attracted to each other. Uh, Probably. Probably. And perhaps in Asgardian, maybe maybe it's a language similar to Latin where you have noun declensions. And so you have Loki, Loco, Locus, <laughs> Loki. Well, it's funny because the plural of Locus is Loki with a C, not a K. But like, you know, similar word there. there so I think you're on to something. <laughs> um, and then my other one note is that last night, was a full moon and you know there was the, all that whole thing on the moon yeah and it was a it was a big bright full moon and it was the full moon during cancer season which is the ruled by the moon right and i just it's just like all of the uh, moon content yeah yesterday it, it comes full full circle something about a moon 
you know. It's on the moon. So, so um, <laughs> my last two idiotic. <laughs> I love it, and as always, I have genuinely enjoyed having this conversation about <laughs> the MCU with you, specifically about Loki, the show, the character, and I, I thank you for your many insights. And I am looking forward to hearing what you think about the rest of this series as well. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? Maybe something will happen in another episode. You'll be back. I don't know. We'll it, it just might. It just might. If you enjoyed this conversation about episode three of Loki, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at Pender Illustrations on Instagram. Music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in each week to hear my guest of the week and I dig into the big ideas of the most recent episode of Loki.